Welcome to the Ecclesia Global Podcast, where we believe in the sovereign move of the Lord to reform the church and the spheres of society globally. Well, praise the Lord. Here we are again with the fifth installment of our series, Kingdom Order and Dominion. Let's jump right into it. Matthew, the 11th chapter, verse 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Psalm 119, 133 says, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. So we have been on this journey. We have been in this process of coming into a greater realization of the divine order of the kingdom of God. And with that realization comes the ability to appropriate all of those benefits and the blessings of having his kingdom and manifestation in our lives But it only comes through the systematic apprehension of the principles and the government of the kingdom of God. So we're taking uh, the kingdom of God out of just a theoretical sense into a place of practical manifestation and expression. But the only way that that happens is through uh, coming into alignment with the principles and the government or the governance of his kingdom. The more we adhere to the principle, the greater the manifestation of empowerment will be that comes upon us to establish his kingdom in our lives and in the world that we live in. The more we give in to the principles, the more that we are connected to them, the more that we are aligned to them, the greater the power and the authority of the kingdom's manifestation in us will be. When we discuss the idea of principles, we're talking about a systematic approach to how we do every single thing that we do. Uh, It takes us out of the realm of emotionalism. It takes us out of the realm of sentimentality, where uh, some people serve God or serve in the kingdom or serve in ministry based on how they feel at that particular moment. When you are principle-governed and principle driven. It means that you do things consistently and the extenuating factors have no bearing on it. So you do it regardless of and in spite of how you feel. You're consistent in in your giving. You're consistent in your serving. You're consistent in how you do uh, what you do in fulfilling the assignment of God that's upon your life. In our Matthew text, Jesus cried out to all of those who were weary and heavy laden, and he promised them rest. He told them in exchange for their yoke, they could take his yoke upon them and take his burden instead. And the implication there in the text for those that are heavy, laden, and weary is that they were overcome with the grief and the toil and the burdensome labor of operating in a system of disorder. They were oppressed by a system that was extracting their virtue, but the system was not giving back to them um, the intended result or the promise. And so they were accustomed to working and working and working and working without any reprieve and without any sense of the satisfaction or the fulfillment of what that assignment was supposed to Uh, Do Whenever you're stuck in a system of disorder, you're always going to be married to burden some toil without results. He told them, take his yoke upon them. Now, we already established that the yoke was worn about the neck to reveal a particular philosophical uh, thought or idea of a certain teacher or rabbi that they were subscribing to. So Jesus's yoke was his teaching, his discipline, and his order. He offered them 
the ability to come out of the place of disorder where nothing was happening uh, and they were getting worn out to the place of his divine order where all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So it doesn't matter uh, where you are right now. If you're if you're receiving this word, if you're listening to this message, if you're watching us on this virtual live, it means that you have the ability to shift out of the place of disorder into divine order. That's good news. It doesn't matter how long, Apostle Peter, you were uh, fishing without any results. The moment the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one in his anointing shows up in your life, it gives you the ability for exponential breakthrough and increase. Uh, the Lord told him to go a little bit deeper and cast the net again. And then the harvest was so tremendous. It was so big that the net couldn't even hold the fullness of what it was that the Lord had dispensed. And so that's a prophetic word for you, that you're going uh, from disorder to divine order. And once you cross over, you're going to reap the harvest of all of your labors. Jesus promised them that if they exchanged their disorder for order, that he would give them rest. Now, the rest that he's talking about is not taking a nap. It's not going to sleep. It's not a siesta, but it literally is the same rest that the Lord God Almighty entered into in the creation account. Hebrews 4 and 10 talks about uh, him entering into that rest and ceasing from all of his work. So when we hear God talk about us entering into rest. It's not a season or a place of inactivity. How can an omnipotent God not be active? He exudes power. He exudes life force. He exudes uh, creative properties and manifestations. No, rest is not a nap, but it means the work is complete. It means the work is finished. And so when we deal with our place as mature sons of God, uh, we get to enter into the place of finished works. But that place is required of us uh, and it's required of us to enter into by adhering to the principles. How do you get into the place of finished works? It's the principles of divine order. In Psalm 119, in that text, the opposite of iniquity, which we established uh, in our last session, is generational disorder. Uh, the opposite of it is the strategic ordering of our steps in the word of the Lord. For God so loved the world, the word there is cosmos, as we established, the system of order that he gave his own son. It was for the reestablishment of his order that Jesus came. And so when the scripture says that God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, number one, uh, the word for cosmos there doesn't include people. It's the system that he loved. It's the organization. It's the creatorial uh, process that he employed and engaged in the earth. He loved his divine order. It goes back to Genesis where it talks about how he positioned everything and put everything in its place. And he saw that it was good. It brought him pleasure. And so God so loved the ordering of creation that he sent his son to redeem it, to bring it back out of disorder into the place of order. And he loved us. And so uh, whoever believes on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So it's the reestablishment re of his divine order. 
wise woman of God said that in order to have divine order, there has to be a set man or a set woman who establishes what that divine order is. God took Moses uh, in a transfixed moment to the top of the mountain and showed him a vision and spoke to him concerning the building of his nation, uh, concerning the building of the earthly tabernacle, and said to him, Moses, be careful that you build this according to the pattern that you saw on top of the mountain. So it becomes the responsibility of the set man or the set woman, the apostolic gift or the office of apostleship in the earth to be more specific, to establish what that divine order is. And that uh, set gift has to also, or that office, that minister, that agent of the Godhead has to also uh, uphold what that divine order is. They have to uphold it and defend it. Somebody shout amen. So in the process of leadership, as you were being raised up, as you were being uh, delivered, and coming into your own, many times that leader is going to lean on you to bring you a place, bring you to the place of order from the place of disorder. And they begin to set precedents for how things should go and how they should be established. And people who have issues with being subjected to order will always oppose the process. That's called rebellion. So when you are in opposition to the process of divine order, no matter your intention, no matter what you feel, um, it is called rebellion. This is something really interesting. The Bible says in Ephesians, the first chapter, uh, verse 22, that when the Lord, when the Father uh, put Jesus in the earth that he gave him to be the head of all things pertaining to the church. I thought that was really interesting. Let's actually look at that for a second. We're going to look at Ephesians, the first chapter. Uh, I'm probably going to move up and not start at 22. Let's start at 18. And I'm reading from the NASB. And the word of the Lord says this, and I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, the ecclesia, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so if we look at that that scripture, it more than establishes several uh, premises, but I'll just hit this one, that when it says that the Lord raised Jesus Christ up and sat him at his right hand, and then goes on to say he gave him to be the head of all things pertaining to the church, it means that the establishment and the um, the 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 uh, manifestation, if you will, the birthing of the idea or the concept of the church is connected to the sovereignty and the lordship of Jesus Christ. You will never, ever, ever uh, get me to get away from that because the Bible is extremely clear about it. And so we have to be aware of the fact that the church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. And just like Jesus Christ was raised up and sat at the right hand of God the Father, it is from that position, from that place of rulership, from that place of sovereignty, from that place of dominion, that the Father also called him to be the head of all things pertaining to the church. So when we deal with the reestablishment of God's divine order, Jesus Christ is the center. He is the apex. He is the cornerstone. He is the height, the, the, the highest uh, uh, position 
in that reestablishment of that divine order. When God reordered the cosmological uh, created world, he made Jesus Christ the head and the firstborn among many brethren that he would have preeminence. So that says to us that in Jesus Christ, he literally created an entire nation of believers. And and, and this is where uh, I have a little bit of struggle with people who feel that we are supposed to um, have an overindulgence or return to just Judaism or Judaic roots. I think we should acknowledge root systems. I think we should acknowledge foundations. But we cannot dismiss the fact that in Jesus Christ, in his death, burial, and resurrection, God reestablished an order. And that that order in and of itself is in Jesus Christ, and that we are in him, and that we don't have to return to traditions that predate that establishment of that nation and that order that we see so powerfully manifested in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are seated with him in heavenly places, uh, far above all principalities, mights, powers, dominions, names that are named, thrones. We are in him, in that place of rulership, in that place of authority, and in that place of the divine order. Somebody shout hallelujah. Right. And so when you're used to doing it your own way or the old way or some other way, but uh, the vision of God or the vision for God's divine order conflicts with it and you keep insisting on doing it your way or the old way, you can create division. So it is important that you not yield to any kind of force that would try to undo or hinder or contaminate or infiltrate God's divine order. You got to trust God, number one. Number two, you got to trust the delegated authorities that he has placed over your life. Number uh, three, you got to trust the vision that God has put in that set man or in that set woman uh, to do what it is that God has uh, called them to do. Somebody say amen. Uh, So someone would ask, well, where's my space for license and creativity? Well, you can have that as it pertains to your role, as it pertains to your function, but that's when it is allowed. That's when it's given to you. Uh, The leader doesn't need your creativity in a place where there's already a divine order because they are acquiescing to a heavenly system that the Holy Spirit, that the Lord imparts into them based on what he reveals to them out of the word, out of what it is that he is intending to do in the earth. And um, we have to acquiesce to that divine order. People have trouble acquiescing to the divine order as it pertains to the kingdom of God, uh, but not so much in school, not so much uh, in their jobs, not so much in the worldly governmental system. They tend to not have as much a problem acquiescing to what's been established. But when it comes to the kingdom, everyone thinks that they have an opinion. And, and the reality is you don't have an opinion. God's kingdom is a the- theocratic rulership. Uh, where he is the sovereign and he puts authorities in place. And those authorities have the responsibility before the Lord, before his throne, to do it according to the pattern. And so as we are maturing, as we are emerging, as we are evolving, we must become more acquiescent to the divine order. Your rebellion should be quickly dissipating. And your knack and your penchant for being in proper alignment with God, especially in the midst of a global pandemic uh, where so much has been shifted and so much has been reset, the hard reset that we have talked about, uh, it, it should just be in your heart to find out what is God's will, what is God's order, what is God's pattern, and let me get in to that spot. Make your calling and election sure. 
get into the spot of divine order. Genesis 6, 11 through 13 says, when mankind, or alludes to when mankind persists in their systems of disorder, death is always the result. And that death can be spiritual, emotional, relational, or physical. You cannot insist on doing it your way. It has to be according to the pattern. God favored Noah because he was a man of divine order. He was righteous, he was perfected, and it meant that in the atmosphere of place of disorder, he always adhered to God's divine order. Noah's character of order followed into his ministry, and it wasn't the other way around. So you have to have the character of order, you have to have the, um, the heart to be aligned with divine order, and it influences your ministry and your service. Uh, these are the keys of how ordained order will work to transform our lives. We see it in the following points of Noah's uh, unveiling or emergence. Number one, he obeyed the call of God. Number two, he built the ark according to the blueprint and the plan. He never argued with God. He didn't think his idea was better. He didn't create a cheaper substitute. He did it according to the pattern. All right. His family helped him. And those who were closest to him had to believe in the vision in order to be a support system and a part of it. And it's really important. Uh, and the onus is on people that connect to the set man or the set woman to believe in the God in them. You put no confidence in the flesh because the Bible says all flesh is as grass, but you have to believe in the God in them. You have to believe in the, the mantle and the mandate that is upon their life, because if not, you're spinning your wheels in the mud. You have to believe and you have to connect to it from the standpoint of belief. So those around Noah believed in it and they got connected to him. His leadership uh, dynamic was seen in that he never had to lord it over people. True leadership doesn't have to be lorded over people. You don't have to rule with an iron fist, but there is a level of respectability that is earned with a good leader that never has to be demanded, right? Because when they see the leader in you, when they see the hand of God upon you, when they see how the Lord is moving in and through you, a pure heart and someone that is looking for God's divine order will have no problem giving that leader due honor and respect. Uh, Noah did this. He preached the same message for 100, 120 years, talking about adhering to the principle, the principle of the assignment. He was consistent. He was faithful. He was dedicated. And sometimes we have to hear the same things over and over and over again in order to create mental ruts or grooves in our minds. Sometimes the bad experiences and the traumatic things that we have encountered, the bad habits, have such a deep root in us that... Um, we constantly return to those things or manifest those things because of the grooves in the brain. And so this is why uh, your mind has to be reconditioned, has to be renewed, has to be transformed by the word of God. It creates new thought processes, new grooves, new belief systems. And as we begin to replace those old areas of thought and activity with the power that is in the word of God, with the light and the life, the word of God is living. It's not just letters on a page or on a screen, but it literally is a living entity. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we begin to um, fill our minds with it, it creates new grooves in our brain and it thus impacts the outcome of our life. We begin to create within ourselves a brand new person, a brand new creature, all right? Every living thing that entered into Noah's Ark had to submit to the system of order that was established. That is amazing. Noah, as a man, had to establish a divine order, and they had to all acquiesce to it, the entirety of creation. So the lions, the bears, the alligators, the eagles, of which he had two, of every single animal, uh, they all had to become subjected to him and his authority. So it, that's, I believe, that redemption clause that's at work, because we understand that the lamb 
uh, was slain, agreed to be slain from the foundation of the world. So before Adam and Eve could lose their position and power as magistrates over God's created worlds, before they could even fall into the temptation and into the sin, the Lord already had the power and the principle of redemption at work in creation. That is really good news. I could get up and run around this little office in our Waterbury location. Uh, he already had that principle at work. And so we see that manifested. He the Lord had originally given Adam and Eve dominion over all of the created beings. And so here we have now Noah moving in that redemptive clause, bringing again all of creation subject to the dominion and the authority and the order of God. So the lions were subjected to the voice of Noah as they had been with Adam, the alligators and all of the, the animals, all of the created beings. God reestablished his dominion, all right? And so this is where we are. We're talking about uh, kingdom order and dominion. We're talking about the need for us to acquiesce to the divine order of God. And if we do this God's way, I guarantee you we are going to see God's results. We have to shift the church. We have to shift the kingdom citizens out of a mentality of uh, narcissism and uh, this preoccupation with self where every pursuit just emanates out of the soul or out of the flesh. And it's all focused on me. It's all focused on uh, what I desired. It's all focused on what I want to go after. It's all focused on my goals. It should not be that way in the kingdom of God because God doesn't rule that way. It has to be God's divine order. What did he establish for a generation, for a church, for a locale, for a, uh, for a school of ministry? What did he establish for the worship team? What did he establish for the intercessory prayer team? What is the divine pattern that's going to release the power of God. That's how we approach everything in the kingdom of God. And as we begin to do that with pure hearts and pure intentions, we are going to see God's results. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, and I just want to say this as a sidebar. When we talk about leadership, we talk about ministers. I want to stretch our understanding a little bit because the way that we have used words over time creates different uh, um reactions in our minds and, and in our souls. And so when we hear the word minister, we probably think of church. We think of someone with a Bible. We think of someone with a, a, a collar on. But I want us to expand that out of an ecclesiastical realm into a kingdom realm, okay? So when we think about uh, ministry, we think about the word ministry, it is actually defined as the office, the duties, or the functions of a minister. So it is the person or the thing through which something is accomplished or an agency. It's not just ecclesial or ecclesiastical. It is not just religious. It is far more governmental. So a minister is then defined as an agent. It's a high officer of state entrusted with the management of a division of governmental activities. A minister is a diplomatic representative accredited to the court or the seat of government of a foreign state a diplomatic representative ranking below an ambassador. And so if we understand minister or ministry in the context of a governmental 
part of God's kingdom, a ministry is not just a church or church-related activities. It is the official legislative, judicial, and governmental arm of how God's kingdom functions in the spiritual world and in the natural world. All right. So when we look at leaders, when we look at leadership, when we look at those that uh, God has put into offices who are given, who have been given jurisdiction and authority to lead and to establish the divine order as a minister, they are a high functioning governmental official in the legislative branch or arm of God's kingdom. I feel something pushing on that. It's beyond uh, collars and, and taking up parts in a service. It's a duty. It's a vocation. It's a commission. It's a mandate. It's an authority. It's an imbuement of power. It's a task. It's uh, an accountability. It's a thing that has to be completely followed to the letter in order to fulfill what the governmental sending agency and principle is intending to accomplish in that foreign land. That's who we are to Christ. That's who we are to his kingdom. And so it is very important that we begin to expand that understanding and we begin to acquiesce to God's kingdom dynamics and kingdom order in this next move. We're in a hard reset. We're coming out of a global pandemic and God is about to cause us, we as the citizens of his kingdom to see our finest time of manifestation. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the hammer of the word that breaks up follow ground. We thank you for the sword of the spirit that cuts asunder, even uh, to the division of joint and marrow, even Father God dividing between soul and spirit. We thank you for the powerful living word that is setting up shop and life on the inside of all of us. And I pray, Father, that as we acquiesce to your principles, as we acquiesce to your divine order, that we will do tremendous exploits. We're going to know you. And to know you is to know your order. We're going to know you. We're going to do tremendous exploits. And we are going to be the conduits of your will in the earth, in our day, in our generation. And we will prepare the next generation. We bless you. We thank you. We call it done. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray this bless you. We will see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening to the Ecclesia Global Podcast, where once again, we believe in the sovereign move of the Lord to reform the church and the spheres of society globally. We'll see you next time.